Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great America podcast with Lou Dobbs, always in the fight for truth, justice, and yes, our American way of life. And now, here he is, the Peabody award-winning voice of truth, the great Lou Dobbs. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Great America Show, where truth, justice, and the American way are guaranteed. Thank you for being with us as we appraise America's condition and prospects with a decidedly pro-American perspective. No matter where you live, these United States or Canada, Brazil, UK, Europe, Morocco, Egypt, Kenya, Tanzania, South Africa, India, or Indonesia, Australia, or Mexico, and Panama. That's right. Those are just a few of the countries where we have subscribers. Our thanks to you all, and we, we wish you all the very best. And we're delighted you're with us here on The Great America Show. And here we go. In Ukraine, a remarkable development. It may be a disinformation campaign, at least in part, or it may be the truth on the ground. We'll see. President Zelensky is now thanking the Russian army for abandoning so much of their equipment and weapons, so many that Zelensky says the Russians are now on the major suppliers list for the Ukrainian military and resistance. Zelensky is offering Russian soldiers a chance as well to survive, as he put it, by surrendering to the Ukrainians, promising the Russians safety and security when they do so. Well, inflation in this country has risen to 10% in the latest producer price index reading. Price levels throughout the economy are rising at rapid rates. We all know that. And the Federal Reserve has been widely expected to at least raise interest rates by a quarter percent at its meeting. But that is expected to have no impact on the overheated economy and leave the Fed mulling what to do next in the weeks ahead. There are now prospects of India aligning with Russia and setting up a non-dollar denominated payment system to use for the purchase of discounted crude oil and gas from Russia. Russia and China have already created a payment system of their own that will maintain Russia's purchasing power and create a separate bilateral payment system, again, outside the normal dollar-based international payment system. There is quite simply a war on both truth and the dollar being waged against the United States and Europe, very much outside the borders of Ukraine. And those wars will go on no matter how long or how short the Russians stay in Ukraine. There are already whispers that Russia can't keep up its barrage against the key cities across Ukraine. Maybe within weeks, not months, Putin may be forced to withdraw his forces for lack of fuel food, sufficient troops, weaponry, and diminishing public support back home. Joining us now to take up all of these issues and more is the irrepressible Steve Bannon, friend, filmmaker, documentarian, businessman, entrepreneur, White House official, former strategist and presidential advisor to President Donald Trump, and the wildly popular host of the wildly successful podcast, Steve Bannon's War Room. 
And Steve Bannon, great to, great to have you here on the Great America Show. Thanks for joining us. And let me just start with right now, Ukraine, Putin's war on Ukraine. And where is China? Well, you know, yesterday, Lou, we had the pathetic example of Tiger Yang having, you know, read us the riot act in, in, in Alaska with Tony Blinken, goes to Rome and for seven hours browbeats the soy boy, Jake Sullivan. And telling him the United States is not going to tell them what to do and what not to do on either financing Russia. Look, they've announced a strategic partnership. Uh, Putin went to the Olympics not to see the uh, figure skating or the opening ceremonies to cut a deal or to cement the deal with Xi. She is the, she and the Chinese Communist Party is the underwriters of this entire endeavor and the arms merchant too. No matter what the press say, oh, they may think about it, may not. That the cover of the Financial Times today says. Uh, China is is in back in back channel talks to 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 give them arms. Look, China, the CCP is the winner here, as I've said forever. This is part of their plan, and the right. feckless Biden administration, who's already compromised by China, walked right into the punch. Right into the punch. So did Ukraine, and one wonders uh, what was accidental and what was contrived and orchestrated. This is a very difficult moment for the United States because uh, NATO, the European Union, is not doing nearly enough that uh, we can talk about the feckless leadership of the Biden administration. Uh, it doesn't get more feckless than the entire European Union, particularly when confronted by uh, Vladimir Putin, supported by Xi Jinping. Look, the EU, you know, the people in Ukraine, just listen, every night on TV, they're saying, where are you guys? You committed to us. You promised us. Where are you? We need the West. We need NATO. We need the EU. The EU tapped these people along for years. The, the, the entire reason we're in this situation is the European Union and NATO pressed their bet in Ukraine. They overthrew a democratically elected government. By, by the way, that was kind of a puppet to Putin, but it was elected by the people. Right. They overthrew that right. in a color revolution and with with promises, the EU promises the NATO. None of those promises have come to fulfillment. Zelensky said over the weekend, hey, maybe I don't want NATO part, uh, uh, membership because NATO is not really here for me. The, the EU meets in Versailles last Thursday and a couple of members of the EU say, hey, I think we got to slow this whole thing down in Ukraine. I think it was the Dutch and, uh, and, a, and a couple of the other countries that we got to slow this down, the application. The EU, Brussels. And Davos drove this, and the Ukrainian people are paying the price. And this is a fiasco, and the United States cannot be sucked in to any further military involvement of what is really a, a regional issue. When you take the EU and NATO out of it, which they've all backed off, right? When you get them out of the way, then now the elites are still pressing, but essentially you see Zelensky and these guys have lost their appetite for it. You see, this is, a, this is about the eastern border, these Russian-speaking provinces and the eastern border of Ukraine, I I'm simply I don't really care about the sovereignty of Ukraine. I'm not really concerned about the uh, the territorial integrity of Ukraine, and I'm not really that concerned about the self determination for Ukraine. That's to be worked out with the Ukrainians, Russia, other people in the area. I'm concerned about the sovereignty, territorial integrity of the southern border of this country and the self determination of the American people. Well said and absolutely correct. And. Uh, this president will never, ever uh, secure that border. He will not in any way take a step toward assuring the uh, territorial integrity of the United States. 
it is, it's not even a question of sovereignty anymore. This president has given us no clue what is of, is of importance to him beyond the, uh, the climate crisis, as he suggests, beyond uh, attacking every basic, fundamental, traditional uh, institution in this constitutional republic. It's, it's stunning to me that people will not look at this for what it is. This is evil versus good. This is the left versus the, uh, the American dream. And it is a, a fight that's being lost by the good guys, in my opinion. Your thoughts? Well, I don't, it's, 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 I don't even know if we're putting up a fight. Look, our fight principally to me is with the EU, the Brussels, and the guys in, in Davos, and the elites on Wall Street and in this town. This town last week, uh, with us in a very shaky position about being the prime reserve currency, in the dark of night, passed a $1.3 trillion discretionary spending bill. We don't have the money to pay for it. We're just going to print more money because right. the elites in the city don't care. Right now, the, the enemy we have is, is, is the globalist, and the globalists are driving the situation in Ukraine. Putin, who's a vicious KGB killer, there's no doubt about that, he called their bluff. And the people, are, the people that are being sacrificed are the women and children, these innocent victims in Ukraine. They're the ones crying out every day saying, where are you, EU? Where are you, NATO? You committed to us. You promised us Zelensky's going to be. On Wednesdays, Zelensky's coming to uh, uh, by screen, by video, to Congress to, for I think a joint session. Correct. And he's going to lecture the American people again, and he's going to demand that we give uh, set up a no-fly zone, of which will lead to a kinetic war. Look, we're our, everybody in your audience is already a combatant. We're at in the, in the modern warfare, which is called hybrid warfare or unrestricted warfare, information war, cyber war, and economic war. Are every bit as important or more important than kinetic. What you're seeing in the streets of, of Ukraine is from 1939. Well, modern warfare is in the 21st century, and every citizen of this country is now at, at, at economic, offensive economic war with the Russian people. Not the oligarchs, not Putin, the Russian people. We, we swept two-thirds of their, their, their reserves, right, everything in dollars and euro. We, we've attacked the central bank and tried to take the central bank down. We're trying to destroy the ruble. Why? Because we understand by destroying the, the, our, you know, Biden, these guys, by using an economic offensive weapon that we never use against the Nazis, we never use against the fascists, we never use against the Soviet Union, we never use against Tojo and the military junta in Japan. By going on offense and destroying their currency, we're going to impoverish the Russian people and we're hoping for regime change that way. People got to understand there's going to be blowback on that. And you're already seeing blowback. The blowback is now China, which is the big winner here, is setting up an alternative financial system. And once the genie's out of the bottle, there's no going back. And we are go we've got many, many, many decades of a tough road ahead of us, Lou, brought about by not just feckless Democrats like Biden. He's clearly you know, an illegitimate president. And, and illegitimate elections have catastrophic consequences, but yep. the entire Wall Street corporatocracy media that that props him up. Yes, and and there is no it, it seems uh, on one level no comprehension of how far along a broad comprehension of how far along this attack on the dollar is the attack on the international payment system is. We have right now India setting up a separate payment system for the uh, importation of Russian goods, energy, oil, basic metals, and 
we have also the Chinese, as you said, setting up the uh, RMB uh, backup to the yuan. Uh, it, it is, uh, and, and uh, by the way, uh, giving a great assurance to, to Vladimir Putin that they will have that, that bilateral payment system ready to go as soon as he needs it. And that is what will pay for the arms that, uh, that she sends to Vlad. And it's that straightforward, that simple. And meanwhile, what is not in that circle? The United States, Europe, uh, nor any other Western power uh, or nation uh, on the planet. We are looking at the, the absolutely uh, fundamental reversal of the international payment system and the so-called new world order that has, has worked for a very long time, but has come untethered in the last decade, don't you think? Well, here's a look. Lou Dobbs taught me this 30 years ago, and here's where it was: this this post-war international liberal rules-based order atrophied enough that it allowed the rise of China to become an economic superpower by shipping all of our manufacturing base over there with our pension money funding it, Wall Street taking fees off it, ship our manufacturing base. Once you lose your manufacturing base, you're in decline, and that's where we've been. That system worked for a while. But it came apart. It came apart when the Soviet Union fell. And the reason is, is that the Chinese gamed the system. They gamed the system because our elites were in on it. They made money with China's rise and our decline. They made their bet on China. Their bet's paying off. And here's the thing: what you just said that's so important. In addition to the payment system, if you notice, today in the Pentagon and all these, you know, great geniuses at the Atlantic Council and Aspen Institute, it's all now the Indo-Pacific strategy. Well, this is what Donald Trump, remember, he had the biggest gathering of Hindus in the world outside of India when he had the Howdy Modi, uh, 50,000 people in Houston came to see President Trump and Modi together. Mm-hmm. Modi, India is the key that picks the lock and the strategy we had to confront, to confront the Chinese Communist Party. Note to self, India today voted with their currency. They said, uh, we've seen what's going on in, uh, in Washington. We think we're going to see a little, we're going to kind of, show a little leg here and start to partner with the CCP and the Russians because it looks like they're going to win. And that's why they're doing this thing is monumental. Two things happen today geopolitically. The, the, uh, the, we now know why the Saudis, the, the monarchy, didn't take Biden's phone call. They didn't take a commander in chief's phone call, given everything we've done to bail those guys out. They in, instead announced a state visit by Xi and the Wall Street Journal just announced they're going to take payment in RMB for their oil. In addition, India said what you just said. We're, we're prepared to make payment. These are monumental geopolitical and ec- geoeconomic decisions that here's the point for your audience. This is not going to get turned around quickly. We are now on a path. This is the dark valley of the 1930s. And if people are going to rue the day we allowed that election to be stolen and we allowed this illegitimate regime to take charge in Washington because everything they have done has been a total disaster. And that's not Steve Bannon saying that. That's people in Riyadh and people in Delhi saying that. And, and nothing is uh, any more clear than the UAE uh, and Saudis refusing to take a call from the President of the United States. In my, in my living memory and in, uh, in my reading of history, I have never heard of any, any government not taking the call of the President of the United States. And then these idiots, these morons who are doing PR for this this president, uh, tried to kill the story and deny it. 
which, which had already been uh, been confirmed and validated by at least three governments two days before that. It, it's it's they're late, they're stupid, and when you're late and stupid, you don't win. Lou, you know, and I mean this, not just you've been a mentor and a, and a friend and a colleague. Uh, we need more Lou Dobbs out there talking reason to the American people. And this is, and I want people to understand something. Look how quickly this has come on turn. Now, Lou Dobbs has been talking about it for 30 or 40 years. I've been talking about it for 10 or 15 years. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to work with the president on his campaign and then in the White House to actually take some action on this. But right now, if you see these events, this is what happens in fourth turning. Events start to pick up, and they start to pick up speed and accelerate at an accelerating rate. Every day, these are monumental. I mean, to have the Saudis and UAE not take a phone call from a, a commander-in-chief, to know that they're having state visits by Xi, to know that Xi is meeting in Rome, and once again, lecturing the United States for seven hours with Tiger Yang. And anybody that would send Tiger Yang, send Jake Sullivan to meet with Tiger Yang, doesn't understand what's going on. I know Tony Blinken didn't want to go because he already got beat up in Alaska. Every day, these are bombshells. You know, it, it, it was, it's been said, there are decades in which nothing happens. And then there are months in which decades happen. And that's why, that's why we're in one of those now. We're having weeks in which decades are happening. And so, Lou, that's why I'm so glad to have you on the show all the time and, have, and be a part of this podcast. And I would just tell you, I, I'm glad you're doing this podcast every day because we need Lou Dobbs, Lou Dobbs' judgment and uh, reason and wisdom uh, more than ever. Well, same back at you, and I thank you for everything you're doing, and uh, and I, I appreciate uh, all of your support and uh, counsel uh, over the over time. And I really, I, I think you're you're right, and it's something that I don't, I I know Americans don't really yet understand that this is this is not about Ukraine. It is about NATO. It's about the European Union, the relationship with China and Russia, and what will be the result. We have as a countervailing influence to Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin, Joe Biden, and Kamala Harris. And my Lord, if oh anyone- Oh my God, please, if, please, if, if don't anyone, say that. Don't say that again. Don't well, say that. that no, true. that tells you where we are. We got, we've got, as Trump would say, we have killers on the other side. Hold it. How about the mullahs? And we got the mullahs in a Persian oh Iran, Lord. right? You've got, yep. you got Xi and Wan Shishan and Tiger Yang in, in, in Beijing. You got Putin and those KGB henchmen in, in, in uh, Moscow. And we literally have Joe Biden, Tony Blinken, Jake Sullivan, uh, General Milley, and Kamala Harris. Came Don't forget she, Victoria she's so, Nuland. She's such a sad sack. Victoria <laughs> Nuland, by the way. <laughs> the evil princess who, who's had her hand in, from Iraq to taking down the government of Ukraine and, and now defending, denying that there's their biological research centers with biological research material we don't want the Russians to get. This is what the American people need to be tuned in now more than ever, because you're a combatant. You're a combatant in this. This is where the Third World War started. You're in the middle of it, and you're a combatant. You're a combatant definitely on the economic warfare side, I believe you're definitely a combatant on the information warfare side. The, both sides are lying. Both sides are spinning. And one side's totally incompetent. That's our side. In addition, I hope and pray that we're not, we're not combatants in cyber. Uh, but if we are, we're about to find out how, how, how out of date our, our infrastructure is that Lou and people like Frank Gaffney have been warning about, about for years. But we're, we're, we're in the thick of this. Audience should not think that you're – somebody said the other day, when's the Third World War going to start? I go, dude, it has started. 
He says, no, I mean like tanks. I said, that's a war that's from the 20th century. We're in the middle of 21st century warfare right now. And uh, there's no prediction how this thing's going to turn out. Remember, people got to understand something. We've never really lost a war. And what I mean by that, even even in Korea, Vietnam, or, or, or Afghanistan, Iraq, we've made decisions of when we want to go home. But I mean actual defeat. I mean defeat when we actually have to say we can't go on. We actually surrender. This is people got to be very careful here. Like in Taiwan, the South China Sea, economically, different parts of the world. United States right now could be looking at defeat. Do not think it's a foregone conclusion. We're going to win now. We can win. We should win. We must win. But you can't do it with the people that you have today. And I even include many, many Republicans in the uh, in, in the Senate and in the House. Are, and they're giving infantile and dangerous recommendations about what to do. So do not think as a far as much as I love this Republican country. I've served as a veteran. My daughter served it, and I spend every day, like with Lou Dobbs, working to make sure we get things right. It's not a foregone conclusion that we're going to win here, and I think that should send chills to people. This is not like Iraq, Afghanistan, Vietnam, or Korea. We can just decide, hey, uh, we don't want to fight anymore. We want to go home. This is these are existential. This is an existential conflict that's coming up with a Frankenstein monster that we created, and that's the the the, the criminal regime in Beijing. Without question, and 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 what you're saying uh, is is I am sure shaking a number of, of people to the uh, to their the soles of their shoes. But I, the, the fact is, we we have two political parties, most of which don't really understand what they have done. We watch Mitch McConnell actually sign on to a letter of forty Republican senators demanding that the United States government allow the Poles to send us MiG-29s at Ramstein Air Force Base for the use of the Ukrainians against the Russians in a, a war in which Vladimir Putin has already said that would be considered an act of war. This is mindlessness on a, on a supreme stage, don't you think? It, it's, 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 it's mindless. It's, it's infantile. Those, those MiGs, where's the, where's, where's the maintenance? Where's the crews? Where, where's the logistic support? Where even the runways? I mean, when Putin even heard about this, he took out the two NATO bases, what essentially the NATO bases in Western Ukraine, right. he, he, he blew them up, right? And, 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 and he'll does, take yeah. out every runway. You just can't. These people think, oh, he's going to send these planes over. This is, this is what's infantile, and it's dangerous. Because he's told you, he'll call your bluff. You want to send him over? Come on over, and we'll see where that takes you. Then all of a sudden, you're in a shooting war that we're not prepared. And the American people, when they say, oh, with 75% of the American people uh, think of, uh, they're supporting no-flight zone, 99% of the American people don't understand what a no-flight zone is, and the media is not informing them. What the media is doing, what the media is doing is 24 hours a day showing the victims in Ukraine. And it's heart-rendering. It's heart-rendering. But it, it can is. come to a conclusion if you actually put, if you actually act like adults, and get these two in a room. Uh, they can figure things out. There's obviously some issues with that eastern border. There's some issues with Crimea. There's some issues of being a buffer zone. But Zelensky's already said, hey, I've seen NATO. They're not here to help me. I'm not sure I want in. EU has already said to him, hey, we've got to slow this thing down. There's a negotiation to be had here and to stop the killing. And that is not the choice that, uh, <laughs> that Biden is choosing. I mean, that's not the choice that he's making. It's not the choice he even wants to consider. He wants to talk like a neighborhood toughie, 
he wants to talk uh, about being at the pool uh, and flexing his muscles. He is, instead of being a president, he is talking as if he is completely unaware of the consequences of his own rhetoric. He has Jake Sullivan, uh, Tony Blinken threatening the CCP, the <laughs> People's Republic of China Look, and Luke, Russia Luke, Luke, with consequences. Luke, Luke, Are you kidding? Luke, 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 Luke you brought up you brought up uh, you brought up uh, Joe Biden's history. The 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 Chinese Communist Party have less fear of him. Uh, than corn pop, and so and corn pop didn't have a lot of fear from of him. Oh. <laughs> in 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 uh, when Joe Biden quote unquote wrapped a chain around his arm, corn pop I don't think backed oh. up an inch. Uh, the CCP is not going to not going to back up an inch on Joe Biden. No, listen, this would be funny unless it was so deadly serious. Exactly. And I think this gets back to three November, and and you know I keep saying elections have consequences. Stolen elections have catastrophic consequences. Even for people, and I know I'm sure there's not a lot that listen to Lou Dobbs that, that, that hate the sound of Trump's name, but I say this on the show and I tell it to everybody, particularly liberals, even if you hate the sound of Donald Trump's name and you spit on the floor, d- does anybody, anybody believe that Saudi Arabia wouldn't take his phone call? That, that Saudi Arabia would say we're going to set up a different monetary system, that the Gulf Emirates would, would have a state vision for Xi, that Modi would sit there and say, hey, I think I'm on their side for right now. I'm going I'm to I'm work at a deal that was on the currency side so that we can buy their goods and be part of them for right now. Does anybody think that Vladimir Putin would have sent one tank? Does anybody think that Vladimir Putin would have taken down one building in all of Ukraine, including the eastern provinces? Does anybody think that that the that what people have gotten in, in the grill of this administration humiliate this administration that even the NATO allies which you know Joe Scarborough says are so organized that they're still buying all their fuel and underwriting the Russians aggression does anybody in the world think that would have happened on the watch of Donald J Trump no no they would not and everybody knows that he he's a man of presence he's a man of command strength and he's a man that people are just not going to cross they're just not going to cross him the Chinese Communist Party never crossed him. They backed off and signed the skinny deal. They hated him, and I believe that the Wuhan lab virus was part of that. That's all to be that's all to be proven in days to come. But I can tell you, if you look back at the fall and Christmas of 2019, the economy we had, the lack of inflation, the growth of wages for working class people, the, the prosperity in the nation, and you compare everything since the Wuhan virus got here and Joe Biden Ill- illegitimately took over the presidency. It's going to stand out as a sore point in America in the in the great expanse of history of this republic. Yeah, certainly. And anyone who thinks it's an accident that Vladimir Putin attacked Ukraine, while at the same time China raised its bellicosity <laughs> toward Iran, and Iran fired, and Iran fired missiles into herbal Iraq. Uh, next to our consulate, and uh, the media kept talking about how they missed the, the consulate. They didn't miss the consulate. They fired into a, a, a neighborhood that includes 2,500 American yes. troops that most people don't even know are stationed there, for crying out loud. So, uh, one, I mean, by the way, up in Kurdistan, really, it really in Kurd- that the Iraq, the Kurd part of Iraq, which are really our best allies. No. Look, Lou, people, this thing with the dollar is going to take a time. Today, the, 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 the uh, producer price is the highest in history, 10%. That's going to blow through the CPI. We have a dumpster fire of an economy. It's only going to get worse. And this is pre-Putin, pre, pre the lockdowns in Shenzhen. 
But if people got want to know if the South, if China makes a move on the South China Sea or Taiwan, the economy is going to fall 30 percent overnight. We're going to go into a massive depression. We cannot run the country without the chips, the advanced chips from Taiwan. Uh, we now know, uh, you know, Captain Fennell and other members, former members of the Seventh Fleet Intel, told us we can, the Seventh Fleet cannot stop a blockade, and they can't, can't stop an offensive operation against Taiwan. And this is all going to happen. The Chinese are going to choke down Taiwan uh, after after this Ukraine thing dials down, and you're going to have you're going to have Kamala Harris in the Situation Room. You'll have Tony Blinken, Jake Sullivan, Kamala Harris, General Milley, General Austin, and of course the always on top of things, Joe Biden. That's a pretty picture you paint there, Steve. I, when I said that China was threatening uh, Taiwan, the question arises because of the absolutely essential, critical uh, value of all of the semiconductors that are manufactured in Taiwan, if for no other reason, the fact that it's a democracy, that it is a nation that we have supported uh, for more than a half century. Uh, this is critically important strategic materials for us and we won't we won't step up and say we will defend taiwan how do you rationalize how do you rationalize that for the us government steve you, you can't i mean we don't we don't so, look leave aside the moral and ethical things of defending taiwan and democracy and all let's put that aside let's just say that doesn't matter in this equation taiwan is silicon valley west we've allowed the chip, the great chip manufacturing, which we used to dominate in the United States, that, that the modern economy runs off of, has shifted out of Silicon Valley and is in Taiwan. It's basically, I don't know, 80 or 90 percent of the chips. And people think they've had, they had to wait six months for their F-100 to show up because of no chips or the refrigerator, their Viking refrigerator. If we lose that chip design, the economy will drop 30 percent overnight. It is Silicon Valley West. It must be defended like it's Silicon Valley. We don't have a choice. Hopefully we can take them down. And look, look, the tools that they're using against the Russian people in economic warfare, I advocated for a long time, get them off the SWIFT system, take down their currency, make a run on their central bank. We can defeat the Chinese Communist Party economically, but Wall Street's too invested in it. And so right now it's going to be left to the Seventh Fleet. If they roll kinetically, we're going to have a tough road to hoe. And people got to be get ready for the stock market dropping 20%. For the economy dropping, not a recession, but I mean something a five or ten or fifteen percent drop in the economy, massive layoffs, right? Inflation out of control. We have we. This is going to be a worse combination than we had in the late twenties, early thirties in the United States. We're, we're entering the dark valley here, and you have nothing but from from Powell at the Fed to Yellen at Treasury to the captains of Wall Street, they're all in it for themselves, the Jamie Dimons of the world, to the hapless people in the Senate to sign this 2,700-page 2, bill and never read it on, on, on Thursday night at 3 o'clock in the morning. There is no leadership in any institution in our country now. And so that's why it's got to be a populist movement. People have to turn to the polls in November, throw these bums out, and we basically have to have a, we have to have a, 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 re, a, re, a repurposing of this government right now, waiting for President Trump to come back in 2024. I, I honestly, and I don't mean to sound as, as negative as what I'm about to say certainly will connote, uh, but I'm not sure we can wait to 2024. Uh, this is not a time where we can repurpose our entire economy and, and shift from civilian to military uh, goals and objectives and production. We don't have that luxury. 
we had people forget as the socialists, if you will say, of FDR in the White House, but the man had the vision and so did George Marshall to prepare the nation for war. We had, people don't remember this. We had a surprise attack on Japan in 1941, uh, December. But at that point, we had a standing army of 1.4 million people. That's because we were bringing in uh, our, <laughs> and recruiting that army and getting them ready. And they're drilling with uh, broomsticks for crying out loud because we didn't have weapons. But the conversion had already begun in anticipation of what was happening in Europe. That is leadership. And there is this myth that suddenly we turned the machine in, in, in 90 days. It's not true. We were ready to turn to throw that switch for six months before the Japanese struck. Uh, and right now, by, by we're way, a decade behind. For, yeah, decade behind. And, and this is what's so key about, about even getting involved in kinetically in the Eurasian landmass. In uh, Roosevelt won in, 19, won in 1940 by committing to the American people committing to the American people under no circumstances will we get engaged in another land war in Europe. Right. They'd already started. London was, France had fallen. London had already been blitzed and bombed, right? Uh, right. The, 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 he promised. He made a commitment because people still had a bitter taste in their mouth of World War I. They still had the League of Nations. We junked. They didn't want any more involvement. Been there, done that, move on. When in, on December 7th, after the Japanese hit us and hit us hard in Pearl Harbor and took out basically the Pacific fleet, or crippled the Pacific fleet. Mm -hmm. That night, there was a discussion in the White House about, because uh, remember, the Germans had turned on the, on the Russians in June of that year. And in December, they were close to the gates of Moscow in this, the, the first bitter winter. The, the next day, Roosevelt only declared war because Japan had attacked us on the imperial, uh, imperial forces of Japan. We did not declare war in Germany. Hitler declared war on us 48 hours later, basically two, right. three days later, three days later, because of a secret treaty. Because Roosevelt and those guys understood getting in a land war, getting in a conflict, not just in Western Europe, but potentially in the Eurasian landmass, was not something the United States was going to do. And that's why I think we need the type of leadership today to say, look, these pictures are coming out are horrific. How do we stop this? There are many ways to stop this using real leverage, real smarts, real negotiations. Donald Trump, first of all, they would have never done it. But if they did do it, Donald Trump would have been to work out a deal here that worked for both parties. That's what you're not seeing today. You're seeing grandstanding. And, and they leak that Joe Biden is going to go over to Europe and try to take some grand tour of, of having Macron and these guys kiss his ass because his number, you know, Rasmussen came out this morning, right track, wrong track. 29% of the American people think we're on the right track. And that number is not improving. And so yeah. now you're going to get a, a, a glad handing and grandstanding Joe Biden on the world stage, which is exactly what you don't need now. You need people in Washington making tough decisions on the economy, tough decisions on inflation, tough decisions on our southern border, and particularly tough decisions about the Chinese Communist Party. And President Biden is on his way to Brussels this weekend uh, for the uh, NATO summit. Great drama, great fanfare. And, and you know what frightens me more than anything about this? Steve, I'm worried not that he will be on the world stage uh, filled with, you know, surrounded by pomp and circumstance. I'm afraid he's going to fall, trip, stumble uh, on the way. And that video is going to be blasted all over China and Russia as the man who is the, the fearsome leader of the free world. We are in a terrible spot 
uh, sort of damned if we do and damned if we don't. We need a leader who will go to Brussels, who will go to, if necessary, Ukraine, uh, if uh, that were a choice. It's not a choice. He's going to go to Delaware or Camp David. That's as far as he's going to go. I'll, I, I will be amazed if he goes on to Brussels, because the last time he went to Europe was not a pretty picture indeed. Well, this is, this is where we find ourselves. It's a tough situation. It's a very yeah. tough situation. It's going to take a lot of hard decisions, a lot of tough decisions. And the American people are going to understand. I understand they're in pain right now with this inflation. It's only started. The pain is going to get quite severe. We're in for very, very, very tough times ahead of us. And I will introduce one other factor. We have a Federal Reserve that is, uh, that is absolutely mumbling and bumbling its way through. Uh, Jerome Powell has been everything I was afraid he would be, a man who doesn't learn from clear lessons. Uh, he made mistakes in the Trump administration, raised rates when the president was, uh, couldn't have been clear, President Trump telling him, don't raise rates. Here's a man who understood markets and, uh, <laughs> and a Federal Reserve chairman who didn't. And he's still there. And Donald Trump, when he is most needed, most needed, is not. What a choice that we have made historically. Jerome Powell to lead the Fed and President Trump uh, having to watch uh, all of this. Now, 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 I would <laughs> just want to remind you, that's not a choice the American people made. The American people voted Trump in. We bought Bill Barr and the people of the Justice Department and the people that didn't get focused on this allowed this stuff to be stolen by all the phony rules they put uh -huh. in, all the phony rules in the mail-in ballots. And, and who agrees with Steve Bannon on that? The, the appeals court in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, the Commonwealth Court, overturned and said 2.6 million ballots were unconstitutional of the 6 million that were, that were, that were cast. In, uh, in Pennsylvania, all the mail-in ballots. So, and you're seeing in Wisconsin, what's happening there, Arizona. Look, it still gets back to, to me, to the railhead of 3 November. We've allowed this to be stolen. We're paying the price for this. We got we to set things right. And I agree with you, Lou. I think that, I don't know how we wait to 2024. I do have a solution. I'm not so sure it could totally work, but we, when the, we pick up 100 seats in the House, which I think we can do if we get really focused. We make Trump the, uh, the, at least the interim speaker for 100 days. We impeach both Joe Biden and Kamala Harris for exacer initiating and exacerbating a, a, an invasion of the southern border. We remove them, and then Trump, as Speaker of the House, takes over. And now I realize that's a long shot, and we we'd have to you have to thread the needle there. But I agree with you. I'm not so sure we can wait to 2024. The country will be very different. But if we have to wait for Trump to come back in 2024, or really January 2025, actually. This country, I'm not so sure we could take three years of this. And that's what you're talking about. Three years before Trump yeah. can take back over the executive branch is now the House can stop a lot of things starting this November. And we have to win an overwhelming majority and hopefully pick up the Senate, too. But, Lou, I got to tell you, you're right. It's grim. The House can stop a lot of stuff, but it's tough for them to in initiate uh, action. And we're in deep trouble. And the Fed is a disaster. I mean, Powell is over his head. Uh, he's been an easy money guy. He said, of all the talk that's going on in the, in the producer price index being the worst in history at 10% today, we still have not raised rates. They're still tapping and talking about that. And we have not stopped quantitative easing. The audience got to understand we're still juicing. We're, st we're still putting liquidity in the system. That's the only way to think they keep this carcass going. So it's, it's, this inflation is going to get worse and it's going to eviscerate fixed income people. People, working class people and the lower middle class are going to get eviscerated on this. 
uh, like they've never seen before. And it's going to, ha- it's going to cause dramatic changes in the com- country. I, I, I want to address that issue of Powell and the Fed raising rates. Uh, indeed, in terms of the balance sheet, uh, we're talking about $9 trillion uh, as we continue to roll on and, uh, and buy uh, securities uh, and, and inject uh, money into the system. Uh, we've got to stop that. I, I don't think we can afford to raise rates. I know the banks want it. They want higher margins. I right now would say the hell with the banks. They've had enough for a margin for a long time. They've had the easiest money in, in American history for the past decade. It, it's got to end. And we've got to have a Fed that is both has integrity, which it hasn't, to find out Federal Reserve uh, members were uh, trading stocks during the pandemic is enough to, to make me want to put every one of them who did in jail. I think they should be in jail. Uh, along with the folks in the House and the Senate who did so. Uh, it, it, is, it is time for this country to get quit playing. As, as my father used to say, never be cute. Say what you mean, mean what you say, and then you can handle the consequences. We have all tried to avoid the consequences in this country by avoiding the issues. We don't want to mention anything about uh, abortion, because that'll offend somebody. We don't want to talk about having no discussions of sex in a classroom for eight-year-olds, because it just isn't decent. It isn't smart. You can figure out the moral aspect of it if you want to. But for me, it's a matter of decency and intelligence and what an eight-year-old is uh, is four years from the age of reason. Why are we doing this and what's driving it? Uh, I never heard of a trend. I never in my life heard of a transsexual uh, operation until about two or three years ago. And suddenly it's on the front pages of nearly every news outlet because it drives ratings. For what reason? I don't know. We have a culture war that is a war for the soul of the country. And we try to avoid it. The Republican Party, my gosh, Mitch McConnell, he doesn't want to put out a a contract with America. He doesn't want to tell anybody what he's got to do because he thinks he can just suck on his thumb for eight months and win an election because the Biden is so dreadful. And by the way, he may be right, but it's a shameless way to go about leading a nation. And that's what he's supposed to do as a majority leader. Uh, Steve, as always, we give our guests the last word. And as much as that hurts me, uh, I I continue the tradition. Uh, And I've never been more comfortable with it than turning it over to you. Here's the last word. We need this country and uh, and the American citizens need, need Lou Dobbs more than ever. I'm so honored uh, to be on this, and I'm so glad that you started this and your voice is back out there. And because look, you you started and you remember two guys, Ronald Reagan and uh, and Paul Volcker, and of all the great characteristics they had as as two real men of steel. One of the best they had was was fortitude that showed that they could take political pain. The first couple of years of Reagan's uh, the first term were absolutely brutal, as yeah. he and Volcker rang inflation out, and they were able to take the pain. Today, you know, with Trump not around, look at this crowd right here, from Paul Volcker to Roberts at the Supreme Court, to Volcker at the Fed, to these feckless leaders, the Republican leaders too. Uh, and, and, and obviously uh, the Democrats are beyond saving, but Biden, all these guys, nobody can take political pain. They won't level with the American people. They won't tell the American people what's going on. And they do not have the intestinal fortitude 
to take the pain of the tough decisions. The last word is very simple. Every easy decision this country had is, is, is years in back of us. The only thing we've got ahead of us is tough calls. And those tough calls, people are going to suffer. They just are to sort this thing out. And so be prepared. We're going we're gonna to need to look for people who not just are authentic, not just can fight, but are also be able to take, take a punch and take political pain. And that's going to be one of the great qualities that got us out of here. It got us out of uh, the, the problems we were in in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s. People like Reagan and people like Paul Volcker got us out of here because of not just their wisdom, but their fortitude. And God bless us. You know, we've always, we're a providential country. Hopefully those leaders are going to start appearing again. I know we got one in Donald J. Trump, and that's why we can't get him back in the White House a moment too soon. Here, here, with the last word, Steve Bannon. Always enjoy talking with you. Thanks so much, my friend. Thank you, Lou. Steve Bannon. Be sure to check in with a great American on Steve Bannon's War Room. We recommend the War Room to you highly. And please join us here on the Great America Show tomorrow when President Trump's former Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows, will be with us. Please join us. We've got a republic to save. We want to invite you to sign up for our Great America Show Advisory and Newsletter. Simply go to LouDobbs.com. That's LouDobbs.com and click on the email newsletter button. It's as simple as that. And we'll send you our advisories and alerts as well as our weekly newsletter. I don't want to overstate anything, but I'm pretty sure you will absolutely sense at least a small positive change in your world outlook. We invite you to join us and stay in touch. Thank you. That's ludobs.com. Thanks. God bless you and God bless America. Join us again tomorrow for the Great America Podcast. Stay in the fight. Truth, justice, and the American way will prevail against all enemies, against all odds.